It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hith Liday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? Better. Um, I was kind of uh, down and out with a nasty cold for the past week. And then uh, nursing a... I don't know what I did to my left foot a couple of weeks ago. I, I thought I jammed a toe, but uh, I think I maybe have a couple of little fractures in, in the left foot. And yeah, it just, it was kind of sore, um, but feeling better last week. And then I go um, walking to all these basketball games and whatnot over the weekend. And um, I get nasty cold and you know, my left foot just kind of uh, swells up, uh, you know, up at, the top of the foot and so had to rest that off um but you know all in all doing okay i survived i i'm glad to hear man uh, i hope you're on some uh, uh groovy drugs to, to to deal with your pain management slash you know, it, it's kind of weird it's uh, i have a really high tolerance for pain um and <laughs> and you took up five minutes of the podcast complaining about it. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it just a a little bit of ibuprofen takes uh-huh. care of it, and I'm walking okay. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear about it, and uh, we'll just keep on robo tripping through the podcast. Um, uh, 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 winners don't use drugs. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess that means that the tennis teams were just high as a kite though because uh my stars did they get uh, p- uh pasted 
um, or at least, um, well, the, 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 they went to the ITA kickoff. The men went to Columbus, Ohio, and the women went to um, the, to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Uh, they, they dropped all four of those matches. The women got pasted by the number one team in the country, the defending national champions, uh, North Carolina. Um, the other three uh, uh, contests were drops. Although diving into the, the performances, they, they were all actually close contests. You know, it just, uh, you know, Oregon lost one more singles match than they could afford to. And in each of them. And so therefore they dropped, but they were all close in, and, you know, so it's an, it's an O and four, weekend for the ducks and that sucks but like uh only one of them was like the you know oh my god um it's like yeah, I don't in know. A, a way that can be expected i mean uh north carolina won the uh ncaa championship last year they're a solid number one boy yeah that's uh, uh going up against a buzzsaw yeah no, it's like I—I I don't know. Like I putting in football terms, which I you know think about all the time. It's it, you know if you've got one team that like loses all their games, you know, in a month, and they're getting blown out seventy to zero, you know, that's one thing. But like another team where okay, they have one, you know, to to Georgia, you know, right, mm-hmm. uh, in which they get blown out. But then the other three are all like close losses, like the important thing in the phrase close win or close loss is not the win or loss. It's the word close, right? Because that means on the one hand, it means that, Hey, you know, it's the ball bouncing one way or the other, like it just as easily could have been a win or as loss, but it also means that like, Hey, it, 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 it's, you're not winning by a comfortable margin, right? Like you, you, you know, so, you know, what we can probably say about the tennis teams, you know, given that they're in these close losses, you know, unlike, you know, what you note at the start of your article was that the, the sort of lower level teams that they hosted in Eugene the previous week in which Oregon sort of blew them out of the water, right. You know, like Portland state, for example, they, you know, they won every single, you know, match, right. Uh, you know, okay. So Oregon's better than them. And then when they go play sort of peer level programs like Vanderbilt, Charlotte, uh, uh, Boise state, you know, they, they, they play them to a draw and then some, some, you know, the ball bounces the other way. Uh, and then when they play the top team in the country, the top team in the country smashes them. So it's like, okay, you know, that's where Oregon tennis is at right now. Uh, you know, do, do you agree? Does that feel like, you know, the right barometer for where the, the, the team, you know, the men's and women's teams are at? Yeah. With, uh, it, um, you know, tennis is kind of like golf in that you have a, a combination of team and individual performances that mesh together. And so, uh, as you say, uh, if you can stay competitive, um, then, and you know, really, the uh, the men especially were, uh, were, you know, really close to taking the match. That's where really uh, all you can ask for. Um, they're right. They, I mean, they were like, I mean, against Boise State, it was, you know, two to four in the singles, and 
you know, all of their losses were, uh, you know, two to one, you know, sets, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, all they needed to do was flip one set and it's tie and it would go to the doubles. Well, also, well, they, they won the doubles, right? So Mm -hmm. they win one more set in the singles. It's a, it's a three to three tie. It goes to the doubles tiebreaker. They owned the doubles tiebreaker. They would have won the contest against Boise state. I mean, literally that's it. That's how close they were. They were winning, you know, one set away. Um, and, and like, so the, the first one that you list, you know, Sipple defeats Vanda Castile, right? The first set is seven to six. So that's, mm-hmm. One point, one point flips that set, which would have flipped that match, which would have meant three to three, the doubles, you know, victory, you know, literally one point, one point, right? You know, that's about as, you know. <laughs> yeah. And if you can characterize it as such, they, they were even closer against Vanderbilt um, with uh, Lynn Lukeman uh, holding off uh, seven set points before uh, finally giving yeah. in and, and losing his match. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that one that, sounds that like would a, be a, a barn game. burner. I would have loved to, to be yes. able to, yeah, unfortunately, we I didn't get streaming of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Boy, I, the, 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 you need to be traveling with the videographer, man. Like the, the, the video stuff on, on Twitter or, or, you know, on the site is just not available. I would have loved to see that one. That one to, you know, you're right. The, the that's the Coquellen versus Lumicommon, um, right. match. Yeah. Where it goes down to, you know, three matches and like, you know, uh, uh, and it's like extras, you know, extras in both of the final, um sets like yeah uh yeah brutal you know yeah. uh, but yeah that's some great play on the the part of the ducks and um yeah we'll we'll see where they go from here well they i mean they go to northwestern uh um on friday the second um yeah and then uh, the women come home for what three or four uh matches i think I'm, yeah i'm think i'm gonna get out there and and uh take a look at how the women are playing and uh I'll bring yeah. the camera because we don't have yeah. access to any photos like yeah. it's uh, <laughs> no, the, the camera's coming yeah i mean like we're, we're putting up like generic photos of like this is what a tennis racket looks like <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh i mean and then on the so on the women's side um, it was fun. The, the men went out to Columbus, Ohio, but then they didn't play Ohio State. They played uh, um, against Boise State and then Vanderbilt. I don't know how that works. The women traveled to Chapel Hill and then sure well, enough. They, the, the, the reason that it worked that way is because of seeding. Uh, because uh, um, we lost to Boise State, so Boise State uh, played Ohio State. So for some reason, Oregon had to start out playing, you know, North Carolina. Uh, you know, yeah. I wish that weren't so, uh, because North Carolina is really good. Apparently, oh my God, because I mean, North Carolina just like smashed them. I mean, like Oregon didn't win a single set. Like, not just didn't mm-hmm. win a single match. Like, didn't win a single set. Like, oh, like I mean, they won a few points, but I mean, it was holy cow. You know, they're just really outmatched. Um, well, if you look at the article, I, I mean, they 
look at all the numbers, uh, the rankings of the individual North Carolina players. It's uh, yeah. number one, number five, number nine, number eleven, yeah. number twenty-three. I mean, yep, it, these are uh, these are power players. Yeah, uh, I mean, like North Carolina has, uh, you know, I think six of the top fifty, you know, players in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah it's like okay good 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 luck ladies you know um that's sort of the i mean like as as one of the commenters uh, the uh, for our last tennis article which i think tristan wrote up um you know as one of the commenters was saying like sort of the nature of college um tennis competition is such that like if you're really really good at tennis you 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 skip the college level, you know, you go, you go yeah. direct to pros and you're playing as a teenager. Yeah, um, reading that. Right. And, and so the pool of players who are like really good college players, it's a tiny little pool because they're the folks who are like, the the folks who are good enough to be a really good college player, but not quite good enough to, or who decided they wanted a college experience instead of going directly to the professional ranks, like that's, you can fit them inside a teacup, you know? And so like the only a very small number of programs get them and they, they're all hoarded at like only like two or three programs in North Carolina is one of them. Mm-hmm. And so like whoever draws playing North Carolina gets smashed and then you go and play the, you know, it's like, okay, so then you go play the teams that you're like, you're more on the level of, you know? Um, and so one of the programs that Oregon is more on the level of is, you know, was the next seed that they played down, which was Charlotte. Um, uh, you know, you, you know, one of the branch campuses in the North Carolina university system, UNC Charlotte, um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 they, uh, um, uh, they uh uh Usha martinez morale uh, won one of the single sets um the uh but I, I believe they lost the rest of the the single sets um they won two of the three double sets but that doesn't right matter so, because the, so they took winning the, double the doubles point. only functions as a as a tiebreaker if you tie out on the singles and they didn't tie out on the singles um, yeah, well, and and the way that kind of worked out is they had won the doubles point. Um, uh, Martinez Morel um, won the first uh, match, uh, and uh, Oregon was up two to one. And then, yeah, un- unfortunately, were defeated in the rest of them to yeah yeah uh, drop for the four to two win. Well, as you mentioned, uh, they returned back home to Eugene uh, against uh, Eastern Washington on uh, on Friday as well, the second. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back, we'll talk some hoops. Do you, do you have some? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Music or something going on in the background. So, uh, continuing the misery tour, uh, <laughs> the uh, I think you've written up all the women's basketball games that they played for the last two weeks, uh, the two Bay Area schools and the two mountain schools, right? Yeah. Yeah, Stanford and California, and then uh, Colorado and Utah. Uh, four straight losses. I mean, this is brutal for the, the women's basketball team. You know, obviously, you know, we've been talking all year about how what their struggles are this year and you know nothing we're going to say in this segment i think is going to come as a surprise to anybody who's following the team um or been listening to our podcasts um uh uh but uh in addition to the fact to to that fact about oregon this stretch that oregon is in is like they're playing all the ranked teams in the Pac-12. I mean, it's just brutal. You know, that's what, you know, Adam Chimeo, our our glorious leader emeritus, um, has been pointing out on the site on the quack fixes is just like, are you kidding me with this stretch? It's like, you know. Seven games in a row against ranked teams. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I mean, that would be a tough, you know, that would be tough sledding if Oregon were a really good team at full strength this year. And Oregon is not a very good team and it is not at full strength. So, uh, ouch. And, um, And they started out. Uh, against Stanford, which is arguably the best team, the kind of like one or you know one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, you they know, always seem to be in the top three. So, and, I mean, yeah. uh, Co- Coach Vanderveer, you know, j- just uh, surpassed uh, Mike Krzyzewski as uh, you know uh, the, the winningest coach in 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 you know basketball. You know, like. She, I mean, she's just an absolutely incredible college basketball coach. Um, yeah, and she tied his record in the match uh, against Oregon. Yeah, and Stanford and the, prevailed. Yeah, um, and then obviously they 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 won their next game against Oregon State, and that was mm-hmm. the game in which she went ahead. Um, we're going to wind up saying the same thing basically about all four of these games, but with Stanford, like just because with Stanford, it's a bit of a pattern breaker in that the pattern is that Oregon plays pretty good defense and they can't make a bucket. The sort of exception is Stanford, which is that Stanford could Stanford was was performing even against uh, Oregon's defense you know like it, it, like they shot 51% from the floor they shot 40% from 3 um and uh it, you know now well, it, w- one thing about Oregon's you know defense that we say all the time is that they play really good defense without fouling against Stanford, you know, their defense wasn't being very effective 
you know, so that was a pattern breaker. However, they were not getting into foul trouble. Uh, so that aspect of the pattern held. Um, but like the, you know, you, you just couldn't stop seeing firms from scoring like, you know, right. and if, not if, at home. Like if I mean, this Oregon team had a chance of beating Stanford, it was going to be during this game because Cameron Brink went out with a, an injury yeah. six minutes into the game and didn't come back. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, she's a, a heck of an obstacle to, to face on, you know, both ends of the court, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, but they, I mean, like, uh, I mean, Stanford, I mean, in some, like some ways they couldn't miss, you know, like they, they were, you know, they, they shot really well from beyond the arc. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they rebounded really well, you know, very often, uh, you know, 15 rebounds, you know, like, um, you know, it's just a really tough time, team to beat. It's just no other way to put it. And then meanwhile, like Oregon, you know, can't make a bucket. Well, actually, they shot decently from beyond the arc. Uh, actually, it was actually like Chance Gray's one of her better shooting nights um, from beyond the arc. And then Sophia Bell went three for three from beyond the arc. Um, it's just that they 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 weren't hitting their twos. You know, like Priscilla Williams, who I'm going to wind up mentioning quite a bit here. Like, I mean, just. I, there's uh, look i i'm gonna sound like a broken record i already do but like priscilla williams one for seven kennedy basham two for eight like give me a break you know they, they just have so many players on the court who just you know jack up shots and miss them and, and like that's it that's the, that's the game um, right and and oregon was competitive in uh in a lot of categories you know they, they were they didn't win the rebound battle but they were close mm. uh they didn't uh they got more second chance points um and they were competitive with points in the paint um but uh, oregon only puts up uh, eight points off the bench to 29 for stanford and stanford takes uh overall takes 12 shot. 12 more shots yeah at the goal so well and then the other thing and then the last thing that needs to be mentioned about the stanford game and then this is all just going to wind up applying to to all, all the rest of these games is that grace van sluten is clearly playing through some pain and it's you know it really starts here you know in which she's four for 12 and like uh, she looked hobbled to me mm -hmm. and then all right so i want to put this game away yeah. like yeah. she she's really ineffective against Cal three for 11. She, she doesn't even play uh, against Utah. She comes right. back because she was injured in right. the fourth quarter of the Cal game. Right. With, with the, but like, I thought she looked hobbled, like she was injured. Yes. But I thought she looked hobbled, you know, before mm -hmm. that. And then, so uh, against Cal and then Utah the next week, she, you know, like even with like, uh, you know, five days or whatever it was, you know, to rest up, they were like, look, we're not even going to push it like, you know, forget this. Like, so mm -hmm. she doesn't play. Then she comes back, you know, two days later and does play against Colorado and plays like, OK, but eight for 19, you know, which is not her normal level of play and negative 13 in her plus minus, which is like definitely not her normal level of defensive play. 
so like and and i mean this is really i mean look man we've been talking about this for a long time like oregon's big problem is they you know can't play offense but at least they've had grace van sluten and now they don't really have a function, you know, where, where she was like, they, they really need like five pillars. Right. And they've only had maybe like two and a half. Well, now they're down to ma- like one, maybe, you know, cause Van Sluten's, you know, functionally, you know, not, you know, not, not able to put it together. It's just like, yeah. and for, and for the past, Oh, two or three games, what we've seen is that uh, the opposing teams, know that um Oregon doesn't really have any effective perimeter shooters. Well, right. And and what th- that's allowed them to do is you know, like triple team Che. Right, exactly. And, and take her, take her right. out of the game. I mean, exactly. If, if you can rely on the Ducks not being able to shoot, take Che out of the game, you're going to win. Right. Which like it's sort of so I mean like a uh... I still think it's appropriate to note that Oregon doesn't have consistent scorers. Uh, and yet like the, these things you sort of like your, your scoring is synergistic, right? Like you need to have outside scoring in order to draw your, the, the defense outside in order to open up your inside scoring and vice versa. You need to have inside scoring to draw the defense inside so that you can have outside scoring. And if any like part of, and you need to be able to dish to your bigs, right? Like, and if any part mm-hmm. of the tripod is missing, it weakens the other parts of the tripod. Right. And, yeah. and so it, like, and so while it is appropriate to, you know, say, look, you know, parts of this tripod are weak, you also have to like keep in mind, like, but they're weakened further by the fact that other aspects of the offense are missing, right? So, like, I don't know, it's it's all it's all a rich tapestry. Uh the you know, so having said that, like. Uh, oh, oh, oh my god it all continues like why can't they make a basket oh my god oh my god oh my god like you know again you know cal you know kennedy basham is putting up six points sophia bell's putting up six points you know everybody else like combines for like seven points but you know philippina che puts up 17 grace van Sluten, even though she's three for 11 from the floor puts up 10 because she's making her free throws right like um you know utah right kennedy basham one for seven from the floor oh my god you know ula chamberlain you know one for five from the floor priscilla williams one for six from the floor sophia bell one for four from the floor like oh my god you know make a bucket right against colorado kennedy basham one for four priscilla williams one for seven you know ula chamberlain one for four like oh my god yeah Uh, and, and bell's out with injury Right. Um, And look kind of nasty. So, and then um, Chance Gray, like, this is so weird. Like, she's two for 13 from the floor, which, like, Jesus Christ, Chance, but she's eight for 12 from the free throw line. Mm hmm. And so, you know, she winds up, you know, because she's a pretty good free throw through shooters. That's weird. But, like, you know, Oregon's in a position where, like, if they could make a bucket, they could have beat Colorado. 
you know, Colorado's a pretty good team, but like they could have beat Colorado because their defense is pretty good, right? Like I, that's the other thing. Like I, you know, it wasn't true of Stanford, um, but you know, it is true of all these other teams where like Oregon's doing a really good job of playing defense. Like, let's run through it against Cal. Uh, 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 Cal shoots. Oregon limits Cal to shooting thirty-two point four percent from the floor, and. And, and, and does so without fouling uh, against Utah. They limit Utah to 34.9% from the floor. They do without anybody in, in foul trouble against Colorado, 346 from the floor, right? Like every one of these games, their defense is doing way more than enough to win, right? Like they're, they're keeping them in the low thirties. You know, if Oregon could just shoot, like, I mean, hell, like I want them to shoot in the fifties, you know, I, I want them to 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 break the the fifty percent threshold. But if they were just shooting in the mid forties, it would be enough to win. You know, the problem is that Oregon is also shooting in the thirties, and they can't handle the ball, so they keep turning the ball over. So that even mm-hmm. though the opponent is shooting in the flipping thirties, they're getting something like ten more shots per game. Yeah, and so just on volume, they're outscoring the Ducks. Even though Oregon's defense is better, the opponent is outscoring them on volume of shots because of the turnovers, which is like, oh my god! So anyway, well, your, I don't want I don't want to break any of these games down individually anymore because yeah. they're all identical. They're just like the they're identical performances every night. Well, your defense can only get you so far, and yeah, that's not that's not going to surmount a a fourteen minute or so. Uh, stretch of time in the Colorado game where you yeah. don't score a single bucket. Yeah, I, I I think it was longer against Utah. I think it was 16 minutes against Utah that they didn't score a bucket. And then like Chance Gray, I don't understand like where she just completely disappears for an entire quarter. Yeah, or an entire half. In or the- entire. What did what did you put together? Um, in well during the. Uh, the Colorado match, um, she went uh, 0 for 5 and had one free throw. So she contributed mm-hmm. one point of the 11 points that uh, Oregon scored in that game. Uh, against Utah, uh, Oregon scored uh, seven points in the third quarter. Chance Gray went 0 for 4. Mm-hmm. Against Cal, uh, Oregon scored nine points in the fourth quarter. Chance Gray went 0 for 3. Against Stanford, um, our lowest scoring quarter was uh, in the second quarter. That was 11 points. Chance Gray goes over three. Yeah, she's uh, she's been absent when uh, the Ducks have needed her. Yeah, it's I mean it's tragic. Like, and I mean the I mean I I hesitate a bit to just you know sort of dump all over her because like she's sort of she's acting as their sort of impromptu point guard even though she doesn't play point guard because you know peyton scott is yeah yeah the problem is is larger than just uh chance gray's uh inability to you know fire some buckets in in a given quarter Uh, they're they're continually um, having to adjust their system, yeah, based on you know first the loss of Peyton Scott, and now it looks like they don't have Sophia Bell for an extended time. You have a game where you don't have Grace Van Sluten, where you have 
Van Sluten uh, hobbled. So there's um, the the support isn't there, and you know who's to say how much of this is a coaching issue? Well, okay, that's I mean that's true. You're right. Who's to say? Like I don't know. But I don't know. But like I don't understand how he could, how Kelly Graves could have assembled a team that of this many players who can't make a basket. And and going back to Chance Gray, like the sort of like the you know the 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 tripod thing. You know, like the the each leg gets weaker. You know, uh, like. Look, opposing defenses have got to know that Oregon's got like at any given time two to three players on the floor who can't make a basket. Like, why would you bother guarding Kennedy Basham or Priscilla Williams or or Chamberlain or Bell or any of the other, you know, Rhombus or any of the other players who can't make a bucket? Right. So, you know, we're, we're seeing that. Because um, and so it's like maybe if, Chance Gray doesn't suck so bad, you know, and making a bucket. Like maybe she's just getting extra defensive resources allocated to her because she's the only one that they have to worry about, you know. So like maybe her yep. stat line is misleading, you know. That's where I was going with this. Yeah. Well, um, that that is the case from what I've seen with uh, you know drives to the paint and and she she does tend when she's not hitting her buckets, if she's aggressive and um, drives um, in the paint and pulls fouls, well, yeah, that's fine. Um, If she's missing open shot, Mm. you know, three point baskets and going, you know, two for eight or just whatever it is, that's, that's kind of a different story. Yeah. But a lot of times I feel like her shots are hurried. Like I, I'm watching her and I'm like, I feel like she thinks she's, I don't know. I I kind of don't want to dump all her chance, right? Because she's like, I often feel like she she feels like she's got the weight of the team on her, on her shoulders. Because like she knows that none of her teammates can make a basket. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, she's like, well, like I feel like she's oftentimes in a position where she knows that the smart thing to do is to make the extra pass, but pass it to who? Right. You know? And so instead she takes the shot, even though it's a suboptimal shot and it misses. And that's a like damned if you do damned, if you don't situation, right? You know, she takes a suboptimal shot and misses and it hurts her stat line or she, you know, passes which is the optimal play to a player who can't make the bucket okay you know well that's that's your classic virtuous circle as you say well i i think that's where it goes back to coaching is that he managed to put together a team of players who can't make buckets and and you only had one point guard who yeah the the roster management has been 
uh, all right i you know i just sound like a broken record here let's uh, you want to say anything more about wins basketball for no. off for the night all right <laughs> I, i'm i'm afraid that you know that this this stretch of of ranked teams continues oregon's not getting any help in the middle of the year we're gonna wind up saying this a bunch more times i don't know why we yeah. should belabor yeah, any especially in the um next couple of weekends say you know yeah. i i don't know uh, how many different ways you can parse? Oh, uh, okay on defense, nothing on offense, All but right. that's going to be our broken record. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back, we'll talk some men's hoops. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So, Badwater, you got uh, two of the four uh, recent games uh, against the Mountain in the Arizona schools. You got Utah and Arizona State. Um, I actually want to talk about them out of chronological order. Um, uh, Let's talk about the Arizona State game first. This game was kind of like the Cal game in that, like, I thought it was clear, you know, a statistically b you know just sort of like looking at at the the talent levels of the team and then c knowing what the outcome is sort of in hindsight Oregon is just a better team than this opponent and, and like and yet to watch them at the beginning of the game you were like what the hell is happening um and then reality you know where like the opponent couldn't miss and Oregon couldn't make a basket. And so they go down by a huge, you know, a huge amount. And then, and then reality just asserts itself and Oregon, you know, blows them out of the water. Right. You know, is that, yeah, they, that's not just a superficial comparison to the Cal game, right? Like that's, it's pretty much identical because it was pretty much identical stuff happened. Right. Yeah, the the tale of two halves. Um, I mean, it wasn't you know, even or just like two halves. Like, I mean, they were turning around by the, you know, midway through the first. It was really just like a bad ten minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and that happens, but uh, the Ducks certainly more than made up for it in the second half. Uh, yeah, holy cow! Almost scored uh, twice the points that that. Uh, ASU did, uh, even though the Sun Devils uh, had a lead, five-point yeah. lead going into halftime. Well, and the other thing is that, you know, Oregon, I mean, I think this was part of the, you know, the fact that it was a coaching 
driven you know comeback is that Oregon correctly identified that Arizona State couldn't make a three-pointer to save their lives and in fact wasn't able to do so unlike that Cal game this is one area in which the Cal game and the Arizona State game are different in that Cal game the disparity between you know Cal's crazy hot streak and then their cold streak you know which was the final 30 minutes of the game um uh also extended to their three-point shooting you know they couldn't miss their threes to start the game and then they couldn't make a three at the end of the game in the arizona state game they couldn't make a three ever you know not at the beginning of the game not at the end of the game not in the middle of the game and sort of dana altman knew that and 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 so if you watched oregon's defensive performance it was you know it was you know you know trap everything it was force everything to the outside make them shoot threes and then oops you know they couldn't and so you know arizona state in this game winds up attempting 17 three-pointers they make four right including going you know one for seven in the second half you know like that was it you know that that you know like they just they they effectively executed their defensive game plan, which was to deny them the the middle, um, you know, you know, d- deny them the interior, you know, deny them, uh, uh, you know, basically de- deny them rebounds too. Like like Arizona State only got two offensive rebounds in the entire game, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they only got five second choice. Uh, second chance points in the entire game um in fact if it weren't for like fast break points right like you know because oregon was sort of turning the ball over at the beginning of the game that was the other thing in, in which you know oregon was sort of shooting themselves in the foot you know arizona state would pick up some opportunistic points you know in that way and then sort of oregon stopped doing that and so arizona state stopped being able to generate points that way and so their scoring faded away because Oregon was effectively taking away the middle, was letting them shoot outside. They couldn't make points from the outside. And if you weren't turning the ball over and giving them free fast break points, well, they didn't have any way other to score. You know, so it was like, yeah. Yeah, Arizona State had zero points in the second half off of turnovers. Right. So, and that, that was, you know, the, the, uh, the Ducks did a much better job uh, controlling the ball. And, uh, boy, there, there were some players that were just on fire, Yeah, you know, Dante, um, going four for four, Cousinard is four for six, Aquindo is hitting both of his, uh, shots and Bartholomew goes three for four, Evans goes two for three, you know, they the shooting was just on fire. Yeah. Like, like to reiterate. Dante goes four for four from the charity stripe, right? Like big man making th- free throws. I like it. Um, yep. In fact, Oregon was 15 for 16 from the charity stripe against ASU. Like, yeah, really like it. Um, uh, 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 hell, you pour one out for Keyshawn Bartholomew, um, who in his second to last game, you know, probably ever as a, as a collegiate athlete, um uh goes five for six you know almost perfect shooting um uh we'll we'll see he 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 does have a year of eligibility left oh does he i thought he was done well i'd like to see him come back the way he went out is really yeah i i'd like to see him 
uh, try to come back and and do something uh, as yeah. well. Uh, that's 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 not the way uh, anybody wants to end their college career. But that's a conversation for you and Adam. Yeah. Um, the uh, it, it, now. So in Volley Dante, you know, a great performance. Uh, Cousinard, you know, nineteen points, another you know great performance. Um, uh, a, a, it's been great to see Nate Biddle. You know, he's 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 basically like t- two games behind where Dante was in terms of his like conditioning and getting mm-hmm. back to form. But like based on where Dante's at, you know, I expect Biddle to be back to full, you know, because like Dante's, you know, clearly, clearly getting pretty close to a hundred percent, you know, by this point. So like, yeah, I expect Biddle to be, you know, pretty close. On the other hand, we're definitely seeing some backsliding, you know, Cook, you know, uh, Mookie Cook tried to make a go of it and he's probably out for the season, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And, the the other thing that we're seeing is like guys are a couple guys are starting to hit hit some walls you know so like Jackson Shellstat who last time that we you and I talked Badwater you were comparing him to to you know all time great point guards like has really in the last couple of weeks not been much of a producer you know um, uh, uh, Jadrian Tracy one for seven for the floor against Arizona State. And remember, Arizona State was really falling apart. And so, you know, one for sevens, you know, yeah, except against the Arizona schools. Huh. <laughs> um, we won't talk about that, uh, but yeah, but yeah, you're you're right. There's uh, a, I, I don't yeah. know what the wall is with with uh, Shellstad. Uh, and, and Kwame Evans too, you know, three for six from the floor. Yeah. Um, like, and, and Bren Rigsby, you know, two for five. Now, like with with Biddle back in, and them like sort of trusting Jadri and Tracy, you know, they're they're going with their their lineup of five, who I think is at this point the five that Dana Altman wants to be their five starters, who are you know Dante, Shellstat, Kuznard, Tracy, and Biddle. Um, like I, I think, I think if everybody were healthy, like at the beginning of the year, like everybody were healthy, like that, that would be his starting five. Yeah. We, we would have been seeing this on a continual basis. Right. Um, but you would have liked to see, you know, more regular production out of like, but because you know guys like Oquendo and Rigsby and Bartholomew and Evans have been good scorers for you as starters, you know, during the horrible injury period of time in 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 December, mm-hmm. um, and because you know Diawara has been a good defensive player for you. Um, we didn't really see him much, um, but like, right. Like that's what we were talking about is the, sort of the silver lining of all those December struggles. And yet like those guys, you know, Bartholomew actually played a great game, but then he gets hurt, you know, the next week against, you know, the next game against Arizona and, and, and you know, but Evans and Oquendo and Rigsby are not, 
you know, really producing, you know, unfortunately. And so it's like, man, all that experience that, that got built up for those guys is not really paying off. You know, that kind of sucks. Well, um, maybe we'll, we're, we're going to find out um, the next few games. Uh, just it, we're, we're going to find out the character of the ducks bench. Yeah. Yeah. They, these kinds of things aren't, aren't linear. And so, uh, it'll be interesting to see what ha- what the ebb and flow is, you know, over the next three, four games. Okay, so now going back in time to the Utah game, which is actually really the interesting one, and the one that I wanted to spend the most time talking about. So, of course, we're doing the last in the podcast, and we're going to rush through it. Uh, <laughs> Dante plays a hell of a game. I mean, his best game of the year, uh, really. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, 10 for 15. Uh, uh, you know, from the floor, just dominant, you know, performs 10 rebounds, um, two blocks, you know, gets a steal, six assists, you know, just like hell, of a point, you know, you know, and, and really is looking like, okay, this guy's playing at full strength, you know, or, or, or close to, and I, I expect by, by next week, you know, He's going to be, you know, about as close to 100% as you're likely to see, you know, or as likely as it's going to matter. Kuznar plays a great game, you know, nine for 15, um, including seven for 10 from 70%. the 70%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. know, man. It, that's that's crazy. Um, um, like on the a, other hand, sort of, you know. Like his uh, 60-foot, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, like he makes that crate. Yeah, that that was against like that was bonkers. Um, on the other hand, like you know, like I said, uh, the reason I want to bring it up in the Arizona State game was was sort of a pattern that continues where you're seeing guys hit the wall, right? You know, Shellstad, Rigsby, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tracy Tracy. Oquendo, right? Like, uh, um, you know. uh, well, look, man, you know, Mookie Cook, you know, we, we, you know, only plays a couple of minutes and then he goes out in this game. But look, yeah. uh, Kwame Evans, uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew, uh, uh, Quindo, J, uh, J, Jadrian Tracy, Bren Rigsby, Jackson Telstat against Utah. Those who did, how many did I just list? Six guys, six, right? They, they, they combined for, uh, uh, for, 24 points right six plus six plus zero plus three plus seven plus two right um, and, and tracy has a, a goose egg you know you yeah you hit, you hit um two of the three shots that you try to make and yep maybe it's a different game but i mean it's i mean it's bad shooting out of it i mean it's like you know kuzanard and dante contribute like almost everything for yeah. the team right you know because it's like jackson shell sets three for nine Rigsby's two for seven, you know, Tracy's over over three, Equendo's one for three, Bartholomew's two for eight, Evans is one for two, you know, it's like yikes, guys. And yet it's a loss that's 77 to 80. Okay, I don't want to belabor this point too much. Oregon shoots 11 free throws in this game. Utah shoots 22. Like, and I mean, I watched this whole game. You watched this whole game. Mm Mm-hmm. Oregon did not, in fact, commit twice as many fouls as Utah did. Like, I mean, you like there was. 
Oh, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, um, you know, they, they're calling stuff on Oregon. They were letting go for Utah and vice versa, you know, and they were and vice versa, you know, and in a game decided by three points in which the opponent gets to shoot 22 free throws and, and the visitor gets to shoot 11, you know, I don't know what to tell you, you, you know, like that, that that's a game in which if, you know, it was officiated differently is probably a win for the ducks. And so I, I, I ain't really sweating this game. Like I, I don't, I don't really sweat wins and losses, you know, like I, I, I look at, you know, as an analyst, like I look at performance, you know, this was a performance that was good enough to win. That's all I really care about. Um, Yeah. And it could have been one without, uh, without pointing fingers at uh, any one particular stat or any one or two players. It, it, it was I mean, it was there for the win. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, all, all the stuff that I said about certain Oregon players, you know, like, you know, be, being held to, uh, you know, only shooting, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, uh, low percentage. Uh, all of that's true for Utah players as well, right? Like Oregon plays pretty well defensively. They have one dude who's normally like a 25% shooter go off, you know, for four for six, you know, three point shooting again in a game that Oregon loses by three points, you know, that's sort of a statistical anomaly and like all, and other than him, you know, almost all their points come from one guy, you know, you know, Davon Smith, right? Like it's, you know, for, from an analytical standpoint, like, you know, the, the wins and losses are not important to me. That's like the, 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 how you play the game stuff is important to me. And the, how you play the game stuff is, you know, Oregon, the, there's a bit of a statistical anomaly in the fouls element. There's a bit of a statistical anomaly in the, you know, they're hitting their threes element. And I wanted to talk about how Oregon limited, Utah's players to really only being having two guys who could score buckets and Utah limited Oregon's players to only two guys who could score buckets. That's, you know, worth talking about beyond that. Like who actually comes away with the win? It's a long season in basketball. Like they will both wind up you know, I have no doubt that both Oregon and Utah will wind up with first round buys in the Pac-12 tournament. So who really cares? Right. Yeah. As long as they uh, uh, can can figure out the, the pieces by the time Pac-12 tournament yeah. time comes around, then you know, at road games um, like the mountain teams. Yep. Yeah, Utah. Uh, the victories yeah, against well, Utah, notwithstanding, those those are one of the nice things about playing just... in Las Vegas instead of you know on on their court, in which yeah. you know you don't you don't get Mikhail officiating in Las Vegas, and you don't get Utah, you know, ma- you don't get Mountain School wackiness, you know, in in Las Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I think we're going to wrap it up there. You got any parting words of wisdom for us, Badwater? Um, the only thing I've got is uh, yesterday, the, the ducks added a, a setter with some experience, um, to the volleyball team and 
that's something that you and I had talked about was, you know, with the, with the departure and uh, the graduation at Hannah Pucas, and were you going to um, really take a, a chance on a freshman setter or look for uh, somebody with some experience? And uh, you, you'd pose that question to me. I, I'd answer yeah. that. I think that was probably one of um, uh, Matt Omer's uh, primary objectives of the transfer portal. So uh, the Ducks added uh, a veteran setter from uh, Florida Southwestern. Uh, her name is Roberta um, Pouchage. And uh, she is a uh, NJCAA player of the year yeah, in leading Florida Southwestern to back-to-back uh, titles. So, um, so that that's uh, uh, an interesting piece that the Ducks have picked up, and uh, yeah, uh, I kind of think based on her stats that you know she's just going to uh, plug right in, and um, she may not be necessarily as. Uh, good as uh, Hannah Pucas was when uh, Hannah Pucas. I mean, it'd be hard to be, right. but that's yeah. she sets a high bar. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's an excellent addition. Uh, yeah. Good use of the transfer portal. And, you know, well, Pucas we'll was a transfer herself, right? She came from, yes, Washington, from State. Washington State. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that's kind of, um, it's kind of interesting how setters are, are like quarterbacks. And I think with a transfer portal, we're seeing uh, starting setters and starting quarterbacks be kind of the same mold. You know, they, you, mm. you're, you're plucking veteran um, veteran players from the transfer portal. Yeah. So uh, point you know, guards. I, I think, I think point guards a little more now or but yeah, you know, like the, the, the setter, you know, it's sort of like the, the first player, you know, you're libero or you're, you know, the, the first player who takes the, it's sort of like a defensive, you know, type player to get the, you know, like, oh man, you got to get this ball, you know, dig it out. But, you know, but then the setter, you know, makes the decision of who's going to try to, you know, who, who you're funneling the ball to in order to try to get the kill. So it's sort of like the quarterback in that, like, the quarterback makes the pass to the wide receiver, you know, right. and it's sort of making the decision, right. you know, and the wide receiver is the one who's going to do the damage, but like it's the quarterback who sets that up and makes the decision about like which wide receiver to hit. Right. Based on what the defense is showing you in, yeah. in that respect, they're, they're somewhat similar. Yeah. So, so it's I, like I, your I, libero is like your combination offensive lineman slash defensive player, depending on how you want to think about it, which is mm-hmm. funny because your libero is like the smallest player on the team. But, you know, in football, those are big players. But anyway, <laughs> this, this metaphor is going to fall apart if we pursue it too far. Um, yeah, good stuff. I will, you know, obviously, you know, volleyball is a, uh, is a fall sport. So, you know, we'll talk about it in the future, but you're right that, you know, that was the big, you know, uh, Oregon is pretty well set up in the volleyball uh, uh, side of things, you know, to make another run. That was the, the, the piece that they really needed to replace was their setter. And like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the coming fall. Yeah. Football and volleyball. Uh, both teams are going to be really good. 
Yeah, especially going to the Big Ten where they really take that seriously. You know, yeah. like every every week, <laughs> real you know dynamite struggle, and, and and they really promote it hard in the Big Ten. I can definitely tell you that. Yes. Like every time I do film oh, cut-ups to the Big Ten schools, I I'm going through volleyball promos, you know, constantly. Like more than I'm going through basketball promos, which like that's interesting. All right, that's uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, we are uh, uh, recording well after dark. <laughs> you, yeah. you started before while well, the sun was setting. I'm looking out over the ocean, uh, and uh, it's a nice night. I think we get some dinner, and I don't know. Uh, uh, wish you good health and uh, good luck with your foot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to rest and and uh, get back to playing shape. All right. Well, brighter <laughs> days are ahead and it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>